I love that song, It Is Well. How many of you that just spoke to you this morning? How many of you, when you're going through just the trials of life, sometimes we look at our circumstances and does it feel like waves that keep rolling over you and then you just feel like you kind of get immersed in those waves sometime and you're like, God, how am I going to find this way out? I I remember we went to the beach this summer and and, um, I attempted to body surf which was a mistake at 53 years old. I still thought I was 23. And uh, I got hit by this one wave, and it just just took me into the shore, and I had sand in my ears for three weeks later and the whole nine yards. And sometimes life just feels that way. It just feels like it, it just overwhelms us. But there's something about knowing that Christ is in control, that, that he is an anchor in the times of storms. That there's something with, within us that when we know Christ is in control, he is that anchor that stabilizes us. That even in the midst of the so- storm, we have this peace within us that can only be done through the Spirit of God that says to us, that speaks to you this morning, it is well. It's okay. I've got it under control. And some of you just need to hear that this morning. I needed to hear that this morning. But some of you just need to hear it is well. Everything around us may not be well. It may be turbulent and there may be a storm. But within us, is there's the peace of Christ. Knowing that Jesus said that, listen, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But I want to give you my peace. But take heart because I've overcome this world. And he overcame it for us. So that's my pre-message to the message for you this morning. And I hope that spoke to some of you like it did to me this morning. Just speak that to yourself, that it is well. That's what the Lord wants to say to you this morning. It is well. When we put our trust in Christ, it is well. Amen? It is well. Let's say it together. It is well. All right. I, um, I remember when I first came to Christ when I was 16 years old uh, in high school and I can remember one of the most difficult things as being a new believer in Christ and in in attending a, a public high school uh, is is the change that happened in my life and 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 I, I felt like a salmon swimming upstream against the current or against the culture and 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 that was probably one of the most difficult things for me as a young person as a teenager is is swimming against the tide or the culture or what the world would say they want you to do. And now as a a believer, you felt like this minority within this huge culture of living differently now. And I remember that was my biggest struggle. And I'm so thankful for a great youth group that I had and and good Christian friends that came around me and supportive parents um, that were very helpful uh, in those formative years as a new believer and then getting kind of tossed right into the public arena of a public high school. And it really taught me a lot of things about trust and, and, and prayer and, and, and just living differently and, and going against maybe the current culture and the trends and, and, and it's difficult. So whether you're a teenager or you're an adult, um, it's, it's difficult when we have to go against what the culture says is normal. And we know as believers, as we follow Christ, we, there's a lot of things that we have to do. It's, it's, it's learning not to hate when we can hate. It's, it's learning to forgive when, 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 when people aren't, seem to be forgivable. It, it, it's, it's learning to humble ourselves in situations 
that that denies ourselves of our pride in allowing Christ to live through us. And so whether you're a teenager or an adult, uh, being a Christian is not always easy. And, and I don't think God wants it to be easy. He wants us to trust us because we do, we do live in this world even though we're not part of this world. Now, and I would ask that you would just pray for Pastor Brandon and Brittany as they lead our youth group. And um, there's some tremendous things happening within our young people. I heard this story Pastor Brandon shared with me not too long ago about a, a girl who came to Christ in our youth group. And, and when she goes home, she gets ridiculed for her faith. She gets mocked for her faith. And I'm so thankful for um, the youth workers that work with Pastor Brandon and Brittany. And, and some of these youth workers have done a tremendous job reaching out to these kids, picking them up to bring them to Sunday morning service, praying with them, supporting them. I just want to, can we just thank the Lord for that? Let's just give the Lord thanks for that. I'm thankful for that. <clears throat> and I want you, please, you know, you know, please keep, uh, the youth group in your prayers and just the things that God is doing in there. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful to hear. We are, we are in a study, um, in the book of James and basically what James is, does in this letter is, is, is speaks to those, those that are either under a lot of pressure in their life. Um, those that are kind of giving in maybe to the culture around them and maybe compromising their walk with the Lord. He speaks to those that uh, maybe aren't getting along within the body of Christ, maybe uh, showing favoritism to some and overlooking others. And so it really is just a, a in-your-face letter. I mean, and wait till, wait till we get to the scripture in James that we're going to read today, because it's just, it's just in your face. And I think James wants to wake up his listeners to what it truly means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Now, how many know all of us need wake-up calls? How many know that it's good to have wake-up calls in our lives? Because how many know that all of us can get into a rut in our lives or begin just to do things over and over again that may not be pleasing to the Lord? And sometimes we just need that wake-up call to just uh, awaken our spirits to what God really wants in our lives. And that's really what this this letter is is all about. It's just a very practical letter on what it looks like um, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So what um, James does is he answers the question for us of what it looks like to live as a Christian under pressure, pressure from trials, pressure from from the from the world, and, and how do we how do we live this right life before God? Let me give you this first statement right off the bat. Here's the most challenging thing in our walk with Christ. The most challenging part of our walk with Christ will not be learning about Christ, but living for Christ. That's going to be the hardest thing. It's not, how many know that we can all sit and learn about the Lord? We can all read our Bibles. The difficult part is when we have to live it out in the world. Can I get an Amen. Okay, we're all in favor for that. It's like driving a car, right? You can sit in a classroom for hours after hour after hour and learn about driving a car. But how many know eventually you're going to have to get in the car and learn how to drive? I remember when my dad was trying to teach me stick shift. We had a 1982. This was an awesome car. This is the first car I learned how to drive a stick shift. Are you ready? 1982. Chevy Chevette, two-door, no air conditioning, no radio, 
Real-wheel drive, great for the winter to do donuts. Love the car. We just put the sandbags in the back of the car in the winter, right? That's the first car. Four on the floor, right? And so he's, and I'm like, Dad, I don't know. I'm just like, he goes, okay, this is how you do it. Here's your clutch. He goes, just like I had a motorcycle. He goes, just like your motorcycle, you pull the clutch in, and it's going to put it in neutral, and this is how you shift. And I'm like, Dad, I don't know. I'm nervous. What if we're at a hill, and what if I hit the person behind me? And he's like, you just, Barden, you know how to do it. So we, we get, we, we had a little circle in our neighborhood. So we went around there. Of course, it's the, you know, when you first learn how to, it's just, right? And uh, all the neighbors are looking at you and they're, ah, yeah, he's learning how to drive a stick, right? And eventually, learned how to drive it, right? Eventually. But you had to get in the car to learn how to drive. So the, the hardest thing about being a Christian is actually going to be living for the Lord. And here's, here's what I want us to understand, that the pressures of life will actually teach you how to depend on Christ, Without them, we would never grow. Without the pressures of life, we would never grow. And so James in his letters, in, his, in this letter, writes to, to, to some that are allowing their faith to be compromised. Some are under pressure. Some are starting to live like the culture around them. And some just aren't getting along. No different from today, right? This letter is so practical. It's so relevant to even what we're going through today. So, so James, in much of his writing here, doesn't sugarcoat his words. And, and the reason he doesn't is that he, he doesn't want them to fall away from Christ. He wants them to keep growing. He doesn't want them to stay like they were. And how many know, in our, in our walk with the Lord, we should be able to look back a year ago or two years ago or three years ago and see progress in our walk with him. We shouldn't remain the same. We shouldn't remain stagnant because if we remain stagnant, we're going to go back. We're not going to go forward. And so, so James gives us the answer for standing firm during temptation and the answer for what we're to do when we give in to the pressures of temptation. And so I want you to listen to James' words here. We're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So I want you to buckle your seatbelts because James is going to kind of get into our face here. So are you guys ready? Everybody say, yes, I'm ready. Here we go. Here's what James says. He says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Now, I wish we could end it right there. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just end it right there and say, oh, that's nice. You know, just humble yourselves before the Lord, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you and come close to God and he will come close to you. (sighs) That's nice. That's my devotion for the day. Let me go about our days. But let's read on. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Everybody say amen to God's word. Amen. Okay, so let's, let's, I, I want to dig into these verses because I want you to see how uh, these verses start and how they finish. And so it's interesting that we see the beginning of verse 7. He says, so humble yourselves, or in some translations, it says, submit yourselves before God. And then in verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And so what James is saying is humility is the key here for our walk 
before the Lord. So what, 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 what keeps us? Let's answer these questions. What keeps us close to God? What allows forgiveness to flow from our hearts and forgiveness to flow into our hearts? What's, what, what allows us to have healthy relationships? One word, humility. Humility. Humility is the thing that James said is going to keep us close to God, keep the devil away from us, and to keep our relationships healthy. Humility. And what I want to do is I want to unpack for you what, these, what the word means there. What, what, what is James saying about how we walk in humility? What does this look like? So I want to take a close look at actually what James means here because James gives us the answer for a life that will stay close to God and not wander. And how we can have healthy relationships. And really, I believe that if we can really, if we boil everything down in our life, in the stress that we have in our life, there's usually some dysfunction within our relationships. There's some unforgiveness that's in our hearts. There's some awe that we hold against someone else. And it can happen, well, in our families, it can happen within the church. And really, James gives us the answer to this on how do we walk correctly before the Lord. And if humility is not part of that equation, we're going to have a very difficult time in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. So how does humility practically look in our lives without feeling like we're a doormat? Because I know some of us, we don't want to get vulnerable. How many know once you get burned once, you, you shut down? And you don't want to let anybody close. Or, or maybe some of you are very um, adamant about getting close to someone else. You say, well, I got close to someone else or my family. And they let me down. And they burned me. This church let me down. Whatever it might be. And then what we do is we shut ourselves down. We don't become vulnerable. We become very hard and cynical. What happens when that happens in our life? Humility goes out the window. And what God is trying to show us through his word today is that if we're not open to humility, even when we are hurt, even when we get burned, when we shut our lives off to that, we're going to have a very difficult time relating to one another and relating to God again and allowing God to use us in the way he desires to use us. So this is, these are important verses for us to understand. And so James is saying, listen, be willing to come under the control of God. It's a battle. Do, do I submit to the world standards? Or do I submit to God's order and standard in my life? And so I want to look at these two words for humility. The word humility in verse 7 is defined slightly different than in verse 10, but they both carry the same idea. And so what does James mean here? I, I, want, to, I want us to unpack this this morning. The word that he uses in verse 7 for humility, as I said earlier, can, can be the word submit also. When you submit to someone, you actually come under their authority. You have to humble yourself to come under their authority. So whether or not it's a, it's a boss at work or it's a coach or whatever it might be, all of us have to come under someone's authority at some time. But ultimately, how many know that if we don't come under God's authority, there's going to be this constant struggle with who's actually in control of my life. That's the battle that you will have in your Christian walk is who is actually in control. Have you ever had a little control issue with your spouse? 
You guys are like, do I say something? I'm not sure. Have you ever had different ideas about something? And you had different opinions about something? And there was this little tension. I'll call it little tension. Maybe for you, it was a big tension. And you're like, who is going to be right here? And who is going to get their way? Is it? happens to nobody here, right? Just, just checking, right? It happens, right? Nobody does good. Pastor Brandon knows he's, Pastor Brandon's the only one honest in this whole place. Thank you, Pastor Brandon, for being honest here, right? There's this battle, right? We battle with our kids. Are they going to listen? Are they going to, are they going to come under my authority as their parent? And how many know the biggest struggle you usually have with their kids is that very thing? Are you going to listen to me? Are you going to come under my authority as your parent? As my dad would say, the minute I would start arguing with them, my dad would just say, Bart, he would just say this to me very simply. He would just say, Barden, you lose. You lose. Don't even, why even try? You can argue with me all day long, but you lose on this one, okay? And so it, 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 he wouldn't get mad. He wouldn't raise his voice. And it would make me so angry. Make me so angry. I don't like when you do that, dad. I don't like that. So let's unpack this. So when you submit to someone, James is saying you're coming under their authority. So he says, come under the authority of God and resist the devil. Now, the, the Greek word there is hupotasso. And, and let me explain this Greek word because the New Testament, most of the New Testaments were written in the Greek language. So let me, let's all say it together. Ready? You guys are, you learn a new Greek word today so you can impress all your friends. Hupotasso. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Hupotasso. There you go. You got a new Greek word. So let, let me tell you what this word means. It's literally two words that are come together. Hupo, which means to come under, and tasso, which means to put into order. So hupotasso means to line up under or arrange yourself under someone. That's what this word means. So this is what, this is what James is saying. He's saying, listen, when you hupotasso, this humility or submission is lining yourself up or arranging yourself up under someone else. So the word was actually used of a soldier coming under the authority of their commander. And, and without that order, there's going to be chaos or disorder. That's why you have so much order in the military. Because with, without that chain of command, how many know it would be everybody's opinion and it would be complete chaos, especially when it comes to war. So you need that order. You need to submit. So James uses this word to describe someone who willingly submits to the authority of God. It's a mindset. And so when someone comes under God's authority, guess who we resist? We resist the enemy. God says, when you're not under my authority, we open ourselves up to the enemy to speak into our life. So we automatically say, God, I'm going to come under your control, your authority. We automatically resist the enemy and, and the things he tries to do to sway us from God. And so let me practically tell you, a, a person who walks in humility basically understands three things. They understand that they're not their own. They understand that they're not their own. They understand that they were bought with a price. That when Jesus died on the cross, he purchased each and every one of us with the price of his precious blood. He says, you are now mine. You are now my possession. You are not your own. 
And because of that, there's nothing that God cannot ask of us. So we understand I'm not my own now. It's not this bargaining chip where I come to the table and say, God, I'll give you this, but you can have that. No, when we come to Christ and we submit to his lordship, we give him our whole life. And so we're not our own. The second thing I want you to see is they willingly allow God to rule their life. Now we, we listen to God's word and we say, okay, God, I'm going to allow you to rule my life and I'm going to submit these things that I didn't submit to you before. And now my, I want you to rule my life and I want to come under your authority and listen to what you have for me. And the third thing they understand is they submit to God through obedience. They submit to God through obedience. There's going to be things that God is going to ask of us that we're going to have to lay down before his feet that we may not like. It could be in the areas of our finances. It could be in the area of, of, of some habitual thing that we did that was, that, that was not incongruent with the word of God. And, and he says, I want you to lay this thing down. I want you to submit this thing to me in obedience to me now because this is not part of, of what I want for you in your life. So they understand they're not their own. They willingly allow God to rule their life and they submit to God through obedience. Now, I can do this step and, and submit myself to God and, and, and walk in humility and say, okay, God, you have my life, you're my ruler. But I, I, I want to look at this second Greek word for humility in these verses because this is where the rubber meets the road. God not only wants us to submit to him with this mindset of like, yes, God, I've, I've got to submit my life to you. But if God doesn't have your heart, it's just a vain pursuit. God wants your heart. God, God doesn't, it, it's not this military thing where if I go in the military, if I don't submit, guess what? There's going to be trouble. You, 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 you submit to the order. You don't ask questions. You just say what? Yes, sir. There's no, there's no discussion. And I want you to understand is God doesn't get us into a headlock and make us submit to him because then, you know, we'd just be a bunch of robots and it would be a meaningless relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. He desires obedience, but God wants your heart. God wants you to submit to him for a reason. He wants you to submit to him out of the gratitude of what he's done for us. And so the word humble in, in verse 10 is an interesting Greek word, and it's a Greek word, tapano'o. That's, that's the Greek word. Tapano'o means to actually make low or bring low. So there's a, a second Greek word, tapano'o, that you guys know. And so you guys are getting real smart here in the Greek language, okay? Um, this type of humility is actually thinking correct of ourselves. So there's this first humility that willingly submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ, that submits to the lordship of God and say, God, you, you rule my life now. But then there's the second word that, that, that is used, that James uses this, this tapano'o, that it, it, it's this thinking that I'm not thinking too highly of myself. And, and what this type of humility is, it's a willingness to take a lower position. It's actually humility in action. It's, it's, it's having this servant mindset. I'm here to serve and not be served. It's, it's taking the initiative to submit myself to others in order to serve them. This is the type of humility. This tapano'o is this type of humility that Jesus showed us. We can see this perfect example of when Jesus was serving his disciples and there was no servant there to wash their feet. And Jesus took on the role of a servant or a slave 
put the towel around him and began to wash the disciples' feet to show them the way of God's heart. Jesus willingly did that. The, the word of God says that Jesus willingly came to serve and not be served. This is tapanoo. This is, this is a heart after God. This is, this is that Jesus didn't have to take that position. He was the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He was God himself, but he willingly, the mindset here, he willingly submitted himself to us to show us the heart of God. It's humility in action. It's, it's having this servant mindset. It's not thinking too highly of ourselves. It's not trying to guard our hearts to say, I'm not going to let anybody step on me or walk on me. And so I'm just going to be real reserved and I'm going to be hard-nosed on this. That's not tapano'o. That's not the type of humility that James is talking about here. See, humility is having a modest opinion of yourself. Humility is having this modest opinion of yourself. It's not cocky or haughty. It's not thinking I'm better than you. It's not looking at other people and, and, and sizing yourself up. You know, it, that's not tapano'o. In fact, C.S. Lewis gives us a clear understanding of tapano'o um, in his book, Mere Christianity. And he, I, I think this is brilliant. <clears throat> uh, C.S. Lewis says, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. Wait a minute. That's, that's, wait a minute, C.S. Lewis. I have to first admit I'm proud? Yep. Because how many know we all have pride in our heart? And so the first step is to admit that we're proud. And a biggish step, too, which is obvious. At least nothing, whatever, can be done before it. If you think you are not conceited, it means that you are very conceited indeed. So here, here's Lewis's point. True humility is when we're not thinking about ourselves at all. It's actually admitting first that at times we can think too highly of ourselves. And it, it's not thinking this way. It's not saying, you know, boy, one of my greatest gifts is humility. That's really one of my greatest gifts. I'm just so humble. Just such a, you're right. That's not what C.S. Lewis is saying. Uh, you know, I'm such a good servant of Jesus, right? I mean, that's not, see, humility does this. Humility resists entitlement. It's not up there, but write that down. Humility resists entitlement. Here's the problem. We are constantly fighting our culture, this idea of entitlement. We believe if I do this and I work this hard or I pay this amount of money that I'm entitled to this or I'm entitled to this type of servant in service. And if we're not careful, that type of spirit can weave its way into the church by saying things like, well, look at all the things that I do around the church. Right? I've been sitting in the same seat for 15 years. Someone sat in my seat. Don't they understand that this is my seat? Who does this, who does this new person think that they are? I've been sitting here for, excuse me, could you please move? This is my seat, right? That's entitlement, right? That's not a certain, I know I'm being facetious, but that, that's entitlement. And I think if we're not careful, uh, this entitlement can easily slip into saying things like, look at all I do around the church. So I deserve this. And see those that are, that are humble, don't think about their humility. And, and, and so here's, here's how we fight against this entitlement, 
so that we walk in correct humility, so that tapa no'o is, is truly being exemplified in our life. True humility is being exemplified in our life. Let me, let me say this. It's very hard to complain or feel entitled when you're serving. Really hard. When, when you're serving people and, that, and that's on your mind, it's really hard to complain. Here's the thing. I, I've got to catch myself here. When, when I tend to catch myself complaining about things or things aren't going my way, here's a good check, check in your heart. Um, there might be an entitlement issue there. There, there might be an entitlement issue there. So if I'm not getting my own way or I tend to catch myself complaining a lot, which I never do, by the way. I never, ever complain, right? We all complain about stuff, right? We, all of us do. And when we get down to it, if we can just turn the tables and look at our heart and say, you know what, Barden? There's something that you feel entitled to that you're not getting your own way. And servanthood has been kind of tossed out the window here. So let's check our hearts there. It's hard to complain or feel entitled when we're serving. And we have to understand that the greatest enemy to our humility is always going to be our pride. It's always going to be our pride. It's always going to be there. Pride is this crouching lion that's always going to be there. And, and the way we subdue our pride is through humility. It's through serving one another. It's by not feeling that, that we are entitled to this, that we've been bought with a price. It's always going back to the cross of Jesus Christ and understanding that we don't deserve a thing, that everything that's been given to us has been given to us by God's grace. Everybody say amen, right? That's a, we have to understand that. So how does humility kill pride within us? And so we've got to keep killing that pride within us. How, how does humility kill the pride within us? Well, walking in humility will keep us from, from, from exalting ourselves. Walking in humility will keep us from exalting ourselves. That's what it does. It keeps us from lifting myself up. It, 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 it will keep us from not, you know, being difficult. It will keep us from not wanting to serve one another. So humility will keep us from exalting ourselves. So God knows this about us, that, that we always get, you know, get in trouble and we lift ourselves up and pride is right there. And, and God wants to kill this pride within us. And I want you to understand that pride, what it does is it really robs us of giving God the glory I mean, how many of us know that we are created so that God's glory can be shown in our lives by how we serve him, by how we love one another? When we do that, God gets the glory. And when pride slips in or entitlement slips in, what we do is we rob God of his glory that should be shown in our life. And so we need to be careful there. So if we're honest with ourselves, the the reason there's so much conflict with one another and with God is for the simple reason we want it our own way, don't we? I want it my way. My way or the highway, right? That, that's really the bottom line. And James tells us, listen, he, he tells us, be careful. Walk, submit yourselves to God. Hupotasso, submit yourself to God. And then he says, walk humbly before the Lord. Have this mindset that's not this entitlement mindset that always wants to get it my way. And that, listen, there are going to be some times where, where we're going to have to learn how to be good followers. That, that we're going to have to learn that it may not be the way I want it to be, 
But as I serve the Lord, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to submit here. This may, I may want to do it this way. And let, you know, if there's a sin issue or there's something that is completely wrong, we should speak up. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about just saying, well, they're sinning and I shouldn't say anything to someone. Of course, we should speak in those situations. But in areas of preference and opinion, sometimes we should look at those situations and say, you know what? This isn't furthering the kingdom of God. It's just really my opinion. And I could submit to this for the betterment of the whole. That I don't, I don't really need to voice my opinion here, even though I may like this this way. But for the sake of my marriage, for the sake of the church, for sake of relationships, I can forgo my opinion here for the betterment of that person. That's good preaching right there, people. I, should, I, I thought I'd get one amen there, but that's okay. It's nine o'clock. That's okay, right? So let, let's just remind, because that's really the heart of Christ. That, that really is the heart of Christ when we walk in that type of, of humility. And so James tells us that God will lift those up that walk in this type of humility. So let's watch out for each other. Let's keep serving each other. Let's keep coming back to the cross and finding our worth there and not in my accomplishments. And so what, what James tells us here, he says, listen, you know, be careful to take your sin seriously. And, and I think in the middle, sandwiched in the middle of those two words for humility, James says that sometimes we should weep over our sin. And I think this is important for us to understand. Um, if we are not serious about our sin or the things that we know are not in the will of God, the reason why James was so vivid and, and he pointed this to tell them, listen, don't take, don't take lightly your sin. You should be mourning at this time to these, this group of people that he was talking to that were compromising their life. He says, don't, don't, don't take that lightly because he said, sin will overtake your life. If you take those things lightly, and if you justify them, and if you don't think they're a big deal, he said, what will begin to happen is sin will begin to control you, not God controlling you. And so I think, I think there are times that we should look at our lives, and when we know that there's something in our life that is not in the will of God, and we're trying to justify it, and we read God's word, and God is speaking to us about an area of our life that, that's not in submission to the Lord, I think there are times that it is good that we repent. It is good that we weep over that thing. Not that God wants to beat us up and keep us in the dirt, but that God wants us to realize that there's forgiveness when we come to him. And God doesn't want that sin to be the controlling factor in our life. He wants to be the controlling factor in our life. And when God's in control, we find his grace and his blessing and his joy and his peace. But God knows what sin will do in our lives when we're in rebellion in those areas of our life, that will take control of us. And we know uh, what, what the results and what the fruit are of, of that. And so I think it's okay. And I, I would just ask you, when's the last time you wept over your sin? You know, when's the last time that you really looked at your life and said, man, God, I, I know I missed it there. I was unkind to somebody. My words were not reflective of you. They were not reflective of you, you know, and, and listen, I'm not talking about, we all have struggles 
in our lives. God understands our struggles, and we have to continually give our struggles to the Lord until one day when we're with him. But listen, there are times where we just blow it, and we all blow it at times, don't we? Can we all say amen to that? We all blow it at times. Let's not just simply pass it off and say, well, you know, I'm just, that's just me. You know, you made me angry. Bad drivers made me angry, right? It's the world that we live in. That's the let's, let's not make any excuses for it. Let's just call it what it is. We blew it. We just blew it. But God says, listen, I, I want you to take that seriously in your life and come to me. Give that to me. See, I, I, I want to weep over the things that God weeps over, that God cares about. And God cares about you. He cares about the thing that is keeping you from coming under his control. He cares about that. And that's why he wants you to know him and to give that thing to him that will help you to not be in bondage to that thing that has caused you to be, that has caused you not to come under the control of God. I was listening to somebody the other day, a pastor, who went to Nepal and just trucked through the mountains for, for weeks. And he went to some really poor villages. And um, he said when he was on the plane going to Nepal, he said, I was writing um, a sermon on poverty and and he goes, I wanted to speak it to my congregation on how we should be aware of the poor around us and, and really have a heart for that. And he said, when I got to Nepal and began to walk through these villages where, where many people had, had nothing, it was like, I had to totally rewrite that sermon because I didn't experience it for myself. He goes, I thought I knew, but I really didn't know. And then he said, I saw the, the, the horrific, um, human trafficking that was going on there, the sex slave industry that was going on there. And with a pastor that I was there, he says, I saw these pastors in these really small churches of just 10, 15 people just praying for the people around them. And he says, he goes, I don't cry a lot. He said, the last time I cried was at my father's funeral. But he goes, that night, he goes, I I got back to the hut that I was in. And he said, God just broke my heart. I mean, just wept over those that were in poverty, over, over those that were in the sex slave industry. And he said, I had to experience that for myself to know what the heart of God was, to grip my heart so that my heart is not seared or desensitized to those that are hurting around us. And I think sometimes God wants to experience us weeping over our sin so we understand the sin that brought Jesus to the cross so that we understand that Jesus didn't deserve it, but he willingly took on our sin to be our substitute so that we would no longer be dominated by it and that, that guilt and shame would no longer hang over our head. And I think sometimes it's good for us to weep over that so that we can understand what Jesus truly went through for you and I. And if we, if we lose sight of that, We're going to lose sight of humility. We're not going to walk in humility. We're going to feel like we're owed things. We're not going to have compassion for other people. We're not going to understand uh, what other people are going through. We're not going to pray for other people. We're we're going to really get self-centered very quickly. And so I think for all of us, what James is saying, this is a wake-up call. 
He says, humble yourself before the Lord. And what do you say? And God will lift you up. God will lift you up. He's not going to keep you down there and keep you in your shame. But sometimes we need to experience that so we understand what Jesus went through for you and I. And he gave everything for you and I. So I want you to understand that everything is based on Jesus. My righteousness is based on Jesus. My forgiveness of my sin is based on Jesus. My assurance of heaven is based on Jesus. My peace, my identity, my worth, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God wants us to experience that in our life, what Jesus did for you and I. And so, listen, the, the, the thought, you know, the thought, alone, that thought alone of Jesus being everything for us will keep us walking in humility. Will keep us serving each other. Will keep us glorifying Christ in our life. So let's come under the submission of God and give him control. And maybe there's some areas of your life that you're having struggle giving God control. And maybe this is a good first step for you to say, God, I get to give you control of my life. I, I'm not all in. I am kind of walking the fence a little. I am walking the fence. And then maybe for, for some of us, it's, it's taking on that role of humility in our life. And maybe for some of us, we are holding on maybe to an entitlement type of spirit, or maybe there's some bitterness or anger that's in our heart or unforgiveness that's in our heart that, 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 that uh, we're holding on to because we feel like we've been taken advantage of. Listen, give that to the Lord. Let, let, let Jesus handle that. You offer forgiveness. That doesn't let someone else off the hook. They have to stand before the Lord. But what it does for you, it breaks the chain for you that keeps you in bondage to your past and frees you to allow Christ to use you the way he desires to use you. And it's going to take you to humble yourself to do that. To give your life to the Lord. But when you walk in that humility, the good news is that God lifts us up. And he gives us his strength. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our hearts and let me pray for you today. And ask God to help you in these areas of your life. <clears throat> Father God, I want to thank you for your grace today. I want to thank you, Lord, that without your grace, each and every one of us would be lost, Lord. And, and I pray, God, for, for every individual here today. I pray, Lord, that we would find a moment maybe this week that we would just get alone with you and allow you to truly speak to our heart in the areas of our lives that maybe we need to become vulnerable in and give to you. And if that means weeping over some things that we need to weep over, then God, let it happen so that we can experience you in such a real way. I thank you, Lord, for your grace that heals us, that brings forgiveness to our life, that you don't leave us in the dirt. You don't leave us in condemnation, but you bring us out of that through the forgiveness of your son, Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that, that we would, um, the opportunities that avail itself to us this week, God, that walk in humility, maybe when someone treats us improperly, that we would say, okay, here's my chance to, to walk in humility and allow you, Christ, to be glorified in my life and to be careful with the words that I use in my actions, that I make sure that I'm glorifying you most of all, Jesus, that my thought doesn't go to me and how I'm getting mistreated, but my thought would go to Jesus. 
and how he gave his life for me when I least deserved it. May our thoughts go to Jesus. And so, Lord, guard us from that. Guard us from pride and, 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 and things that would want to exalt me. Guard us from that as we hide ourselves in Jesus. So we just thank you for your word today. And we give you the glory, Jesus. In your precious name, we ask these things. And all God's children said, amen. Shall we thank the Lord?